that is not pre-roll. Okay, let's. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll sell my tape to anyone. In the Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Cinemaflex in Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Bobby Pape, and this show has everything. We've got a pretty face who doesn't know anything of anything. We've got a curly-haired nerd who sweats profusely. And then we have, of course, the beautiful and talented producer who holds us together. And I'll let you figure out who is who. Joining me for this Tishi Salutes to Cinema uh, on the media edition, in the Deerblind Studios in the Mountain Room at the Ranch in Manchac, Texas, it's Mike the Gel Dude for sale. Good evening, Mike. Good evening. I think I fit all of those categories, but I'm curious to know what <laughs> everyone else thinks of me. Oh, I don't know. Sports reporter turned into a face. It's all about personality. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't think there's any debate about the producer, though. Joining us from the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, it's Anne with a plan. Lundholm. Good evening, Anne. I am resisting the urge to scream at you to get me what I need right now. Uh (laughs) That sounds like every week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I, oh shit. I was going to give you guys theater names. Uh, Mike, you were going to be some sort of version of, uh, what's the theater down there where you can eat, but you can't talk. Oh, uh, the the Alamo. Yes. Yes. You, you would be obviously the man check at Alamo. And then, Anne, I tried to look up the closest theater for you, and it's the Mounds View 15. Mm, sure. And then I giggled yeah. about the name Mounds View, and then right. I giggled about <laughs> so Giant Pornoplex. Yep. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, anyway, as I mentioned, we're going to do on our media this week. This is journalism movies, and uh, we're going to start with some small talk before we get there. Then we'll do our, our mailbag, some, some other fun things that have been going on, and then we'll do... Uh, J movies, as I've been putting in my notes all week. First, a little small talk with a Grease 2 Facebook challenge update. And where are we? We are at 189 members of the Facebook group. That is up one from the last time we recorded. Although I will say we are recording a few days early this week. Yes. So we're For not done sake, yet. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, 189. That's a good number. It's divisible by nine. So. Really? Yeah. Do you want to know a trick on how you can always tell if a number is divisible by nine? Sure. Without a calculator. calculator. I got my Casio right here. Hang on. (laughs) You add the digits together. And if they equal nine or a multiple of nine, then it's divisible by nine. So the number 189, one plus eight plus nine is 18. So it's divisible by nine. And 18 is my lucky number. So there you go. And if you have a larger number, like, I, I don't know. Oh, I can't do this off the top of my head. Like 486. And you're like, oh, I don't know. That's still, I mean, once you've added the digits together, you get like 486. Well, then you add those digits together. And if they equal nine, you can just keep adding the digits together and compressing the number until you get something that you know. When are we doing math movie week? (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Speaking of Matt Damon, we we got uh, Goodwill Hunting. We got a beautiful mind. We're going to do a show with no Oz in it. It's 
to be all Boston accents. Sam is watching The Irishman right now as we record oh. this, actually, and she will still be watching it when I get home and go <laughs> right. to my hotel room. <laughs> She's been texting me. She's like, are these guys really this old? Is that makeup? And I was like, no, they're really that old. Uh, I didn't have a chance to watch that yet because I've been watching nothing but journalism movies for the last two days, but more on that soon. And yes, 189, but we're recording early, so prove us wrong. By the time this posts, let, let's get that into the 190s. Come on, mm-hmm. let's do it. We have 21 starting lineups for baseball teams right now, all ready to be screwed by the Astros and Red Sox. So <laughs> let's see if we can Man, round out this league. I have a lot to say, but this, sadly, this isn't yeah. the form. We'll pick up a baseball show at some point. Uh, the Beverage Minute. Uh, Mike, you've listened to, are you a completist? Have you listened to every, every episode of the beverage minute? Uh, no, I haven't listened to the, uh, the one with Milo yet. Um, but ah. I love Milo, so I will be listening soon. I, I've been doing a lot of traveling and also, uh, catching up on some journalism movies, um, because I got yeah, scheduled yeah. into this very quickly from, um, inception. So yeah, I'll be all kind of did. Actually, yeah, yeah, it was a it was a quick turnaround. So, <laughs> I've watched five point seven five journalism movies in the last day. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, 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 right. You're all full up. Uh, I honestly wasn't going to bother watching them all, but they're they're all so good, and, mm-hmm. it, and they're all a rewatch. I mean, they're all movies I'd yeah. seen before, but more on. I, I'm really right. I keep jumping ahead here. They are they aren't all like uh, integrity coming out of your asshole movies. I mean, the, we have some fun stuff, some really fun stuff. You know, it's like it's not all heavy, heavy like, you know, spy, get me you know six pi- pictures of Spider Man by six o'clock. Sorry, I need eight by five o'clock. You know, it's, it's it's not all yelling. It's it's fun. We we're doing fun. So. I do remember. I I actually dream of Ben Bradley telling me to pull integrity out of my asshole. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull it out of there. We do have some quality movies on the list that that did benefit from a rewatch, unlike the mostly wretched dance movies that we talked about the week before sure. without you guys. Sure. Uh, by the way, I mentioned this on the Facebook thread because I, I missed the dance movie uh, episode. I'm, I'm crushed by that. But I I did see Save the Last Dance mm-hmm. in the theater mm-hmm. on a date mm-hmm. with a girl that I had I'd only met once before at a high school chorus competition bobby you I, can't, I can't remember her name uh she went so many well she went to a school from you know a, a couple of towns over and we met at the theater with her friends you know because group power numbers and we were going to go to something else and i can't remember what but i was late i think my mom took the wrong exit off the freeway to drop Aww. me off because it wasn't our local theater that's so uh. cute and they waited for me, and so we ended up going to see the Julia Stiles vehicle, mm-hmm. Save the Last Dance, where she learns how to be cool so she can get into Juilliard. Um, uh, sure. No. Well, right. There's more to it than that. There's a lot more. But right. I was busy trying to get this girl's attention. I didn't. That was the only date. <laughs> I mean, she she does learn how to be cool, and she does, I think, get into Juilliard at the end. But I don't know how related they are. Right. There's a dead mom component or something. Yes. Oh, well, yeah, her yeah. her mom died in a car accident while she was driving to watch Julia Stiles' audition for Juilliard. So there's some oh. issues to be worked through there. Mm. Sure. Well, my mom would have died if she had gone one more exit down 390 because <laughs> I needed to see this girl. 
whose well, name I can't remember. Did Julia make the audition and did she win it and then just visit the hospital later and find out that her mom had passed? Or no. Okay. I thought we were done with dance movies, but what okay, happened okay, was... Okay. 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 Wait, wait, and wait, wait, wait. Yes. I have I have a, uh, a, a good small talk, but uh-huh. let's get into the question of the week, the dance movies thing now. You know, we might as well do it now. Now that we're doing it. Let's do All it. Right. So finish what All you were right. going to say, and then and then let's do the the listener All feedback. Right. All right. The the thirty seconds on Save the Last Dance is that the mom, as I said, dies on the way to watch Julia Stiles on the audition. Oh, and be- she's not driving her there. She's just on the way to watch. Yeah, she had to like leave work to watch her audition. Oh, and okay. Julia, Stiles- I, I had Julia climbing out of the wreckage. No, no, like, no, no. The- and since she's not there, okay. Julia Stiles is all distracted, and she auditions poorly, so she doesn't make it. Sure. And then to top it off, since her mom has died in this car crash, she gets sent with her deadbeat jazz musician dad, who lives in Ugh, um, the black part of town or I forget if it's a different city or whatever but you know he lives in a quote unquote urban area and so she ends up being the only white girl going to the black school and that's where she learns how to dance hip hop and be cool okay yeah the dance the rap music and the Mm -hmm. the hippity hop I can get behind that is her midriff bare at any point I mean what I believe it is I think that's a requirement of all those dance movies Mm-hmm. All Julia Styles movies as well. You know, it just doesn't doesn't have to be a dance movie. It's just going to be some bare midriff. Thing. Oh, yeah, those Bourne movies. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to see uh, the ranker list for who's got the best torso insurance. <laughs> torso insurance. <laughs> right. Who's going to insure this situation right here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lloyd's of London. That's impressive. <laughs> uh, yes. Let's get to the editorial for dance feedback. Uh, and you may have to help us here because... Uh, you may have yes, noticed please. that Mike and I are out of our depth. Yes, yes. Okay. As usual, we had a great discussion on the Facebook group about uh, dance movies of our youth and, and not our youth. We, of course, as as per usual, we got a uh, an email from the inimitable Bob Stein who said, Hi, ladies. Here are some of my favorite dance movies and or movies with dance in them. Swing Time with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, Sing in the Rain, and American in Paris, West Side Story. Nice description and dissection of your favorite dance movies. Thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm curious about seeing some of them now. All the best from Bob S. You know, after we finished recording uh, last week, we were like, oh, shit, we didn't talk about Singing in the Rain. Oh, my God, we didn't talk about anything with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Oh, my God, we didn't talk about... We were like, we're going to have to do this again. So... Will we be looking at at a separate musicals week at some point i mean maybe not this year but maybe when we bring back this this monthly salute to cinema is something we can probably do year after year because there are so many tight genre genre that we're picking (laughs) it's not old yet and um yeah i i I, a lot of these answers made me think well we have to just do a a musicals week because i mean for sure it's a great answer i mean who doesn't love Mm race-oriented uh dance battling but uh, you know there are just so uh, it's a whole it's a whole category unto itself i mean right i think the lines are a little bit fluid with musicals and dance movies they're of yeah. course yeah six of one half a dozen of the other so i think we'll just do whatever the heck we feel like doing yeah well we'll just you know why why say your emotions when you can sing them right right so sometimes it's easier when you can sing them to an invisible audience uh speaking of uh 
Save the Last Dance, Bobby, Saul said, I hope this is a judge-free zone because the only dance movie I've ever seen is Save the Last Dance, unless you count Hulk Hogan doing ballet and Mr. Nanny. I do, um, but... We do? We do count that? Well, I mean, we cast a wide net, don't we? None of those words made any sense to me. None of none of that. I've n- none of it. Uh, Laura said, if by dance movies, we're talking about non-musicals that feature dance, which, Laura, was what I had initially intended, although we expanded that somewhat. Uh, I remember loving The Turning Point. For a not very good movie with amazing dancing, I was obsessed with White Knights. What could be better than Barishnikov and Gregory Hines? <laughs> Definitely going in the next dance movie episode, Laura, because we didn't even think about it. And of course... Uh, Mia says, how about some old school disco Saturday Night Fever? But it doesn't hold up very well as a story. Ooh, it's, uh, it's a little yeah. rough. A little yeah. misogynist. Watch it with my mom. I was 13. We had a, you know, I lived with my dad. We had a date to go to the movies. She would take me to completely inappropriate movies. And I would sit right next to my English teacher mom at 13 and watch, you know, a Saturday Night Fever or... You know, Animal House or whatever, you know, wholly inappropriate movie was out at the time that I wanted to see. And she was willing to sit through with me because she loved her son. Oh, that's a good mom. (laughs) Inappropriate, but it's a good mom. Oh, man. Very sexual, (laughs) that movie. (laughs) Um, Kalina seems to have in the last couple of weeks established a pattern where she comes in with three answers. So she says, number one, the full Monty. It's so heartwarming, and it's just about a group of guys who become friends, not a love story. I dig that. The soundtrack is one of my all-time favorites, too. Number two, Happy Feet. It's a dance movie. Fight me. And number three, Singing in the Rain, watching Gene Kelly dance is almost hypnotic. Uh, Well, I think there's a strong chance that Singing in the Rain will show up on Musicals Week. So stay tuned for that. And... The Full Monty is another one that I did not think about at all, but yeah. that is a fantastic movie. There's this scene where, um, you know, Mark Addy, who's the chubby one, he's all, you know, they're going to have to do this stripping performance and he's all worried about his body image. And so he decides to shed some pounds by wrapping himself in saran wrap. And so in the middle of the night, like he goes down and he gets the saran wrap out of the kitchen and he wraps it all around his torso and he goes out to the garden shed and he sits down and he looks so miserable and he takes out a Snickers and starts eating it while while he's sitting there with his torso wrapped up in saran wrap. And it is so sweet and so sad. (laughs) I like that movie a lot. Uh, Andrea says one word, fame. Of course. Of course. Of course. And then Bet says, Billy Elliot. Obviously, this is just the beginning of something. I didn't know there were so many dance movies in this world, I guess. I didn't think about it. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to look up pictures of Mark Eddy's torso insurance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can get, probably get a good deal on that. <clears throat> probably get a screaming deal on that. So... So that was dance movies. Oh, by the way, at the end of last week's episode, when Hillary completely lost it and had a, a laughing fit, 
mm-hmm. then at one point, Meredith said, we <laughs> broke Hillary. We did, because by the end of that night, she had completely lost her voice. She has had no voice this <laughs> week, and I'm attributing it to that episode. Uh, and what a self-made hell that is, because can you imagine a, a worse scenario for Hillary? Like, you know that that classic episode of Twilight Zone where the guy finally has his, all his books and time and then he breaks his glasses? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Hillary with no voice. Mm-hmm. She finally has a podcast and, and she has no voice. <laughs> it's gone. Sorry. You had hundreds of people to talk to, yet you cannot communicate. Sorry. Ah, cruel fate. Yeah. And here we are with journalism movies, and I know she's crushed to not be on it because she's been messaging me just things like, Uh God, I love a process story. (laughs) Yeah. Should we... uh, Let's back up, because, Mike, I didn't want to get too far away from... Uh, Thank you, everyone. By the way, there's many more dance movies and dance conversations happening uh-huh. on the Facebook page. That is the place to be for 100% of that. So go. This show has everything on Facebook. Uh, Beverage Minute, back to it, because I'm a completist. I don't know what we're calling that. Uh, Jeremy's got to work on that. And for those who are not sure or not aware, the Beverage Minute is a new podcast launched by one Jeremy Holmes. You may have heard of him. Uh, and Associates on Weird Drinks, where they drink one and talk about it, and he gets to know a different person over that drink. Um, beverage minute completest. I guess you're you're sated, like you're thirst, you're quenched. I guess if you listen to all of them, you're quenched. Uh, <laughs> I, I hate to say this because I wanted to just mock Jeremy mercilessly for this, but I'm actually finding it quite charming having listened to all three episodes so far. That's good. Yeah, it's very good. And I got to send him some moxie or some coffee milk or something because I want to get on it. The one with Christy is is really good too. It made me want to get on there too. So I'm I'm gonna have to like come up with some some beverage. I mean, you are you taking coffee milk or am I? You can have coffee milk if you want, because I can send him some Moxie, the official soda of hearty Northern New Englanders. Okay, I don't know how he feels about milk beverages, but coffee milk is probably the best milk beverage. Who is it that has the weird celery soda? Isn't there somebody know. that has oh, that? Isn't that a regional thing? I've heard of it. Sounds like a prank. <laughs> Dr. Brown Cell Ray Soda. Oh, sure. That, that sounds like something Dr. Brown's would do. I don't stray too far, but I do love a good Dr. Brown's root beer. So that may be a, a Northeast thing? It's probably like a Jewish jelly New York thing. Mm. Or like a Dr. Brown's cream soda. Oh, yeah. Here we go on uh, Wikipedia. It's fairly easy to find in New York City, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and in South Florida, but rather obscure elsewhere. South Florida, where the the Jews go. Where the Jews retire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When you you can't digest celery, you you crush it into a drink and, you know, you can... Got South Beach written all over it. Um, uh, Bob Stein. Please send Jeremy some celery soda and then talk to him about it. I get the feeling that you know your way around a celery soda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's because you live outside of Philly. That was uh, just just to be clear there. Not because he's an old Jew. <laughs> he's Jewish? I don't he's think old? so. I didn't know. I didn't, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't judge. I don't, I don't see old and Jew. I don't. 
you remember the time that he mailed us pretzels? Uh, well, you know, it might have been a leading an LJ, LJI, as they say. But oh, this is going on a dangerous path. We got to not do that. Uh, speaking of things that people we love uh, have mailed to us, have been mailed to us. Uh, since we're skipping around anyway, let me skip around to a jam tracker sure. update. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's get to the bottom of this. I I can't wait. So uh, I I received a, a Christmas card from one uh, Jack Taylor. Uh, I should I should anonymize that J Taylor, no Jack T. <laughs> um, They'll and, never and know it, now. <laughs> with that card and some lovely pictures of his family, uh, and uh, this is you know being the stalker that I am, I put Jack on my Christmas card list a couple of years ago. <laughs> he he made a contribution to the show. Uh, and he paid us with a check. <laughs> uh, I wish I hadn't done that. Thank you. Uh, he, he wrote a check out and I, I don't usually like to talk about how much people give us because every, I'm a fundraiser, so I'm programmed to say every gift makes a difference. Every dollar matters. <laughs> give within your means. We appreciate it. And we do. That's all absolutely true. We're also not technically a charity, so whatever. But, uh, Jack. Sent so me a give check. way more generously because we right. really, you know. Uh, he he wrote it out to me, so it was, you know I'm gonna I'm deposited oh. it. I'm gonna I'm gonna move it along via you know PayPal or cash well, app that's, or it's like. it was a check to you, Bobby. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Unless he specified that this was for the show, well, he was writing you a check, was he not? But I, I I will I would like to think that that we are a family and that we finance together and. You know, so we'll, and for some but reason, he wrote a like, check to you. It said Bobby Pape on it, right? It did say Bobby Pape on it. Jeremy, right? Jeremy is the one who keeps our books, which is. <laughs> but this uh, isn't a part of our books, Bobby. This well, check was written to you. <laughs> what are the expectations for you? This is what I want. Well, to I do owe the Boston's a round of drinks. Uh, so. Oh, Still? yeah. You have been pocketing that Boston's money for years. <laughs> uh, years. So this check was for a strange amount. It was for uh, a, a certain number of jams and seventeen cents. Mm. And I, I've, I can't. I feel like I'm missing something. Like I don't know mm -hmm. if Jack just picked a number. It's a good number. Maybe simple interest from the time he intended to send the jam money. <laughs> Should we clarify for perhaps newer listeners that? We had a whole discussion about this, about how much money would get us out of a couple of jams, and we decided 50 bucks would do it. So therefore, a jam is $25. Yes. And this is yeah. why when Christy and Jeremy got married, my gift to them was $51 bills taped to a bottle of ranch dressing. <laughs> <laughs> so take that for what you will. So, it was uh, voted best comment, so you get 50 bucks. Uh, you know, uh, Jack very kindly sent me a check and it, it's for a few jams and 17 cents. It's, it's point oh something jams <laughs> at the end. And yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I feel like, I, I hope I'm not missing something really obvious, but, um, and you mentioned that maybe this number sounded familiar to you. Yes, indeed. Because, um, a La was it last Christmas or the Christmas before Jack sent a check for that same amount to me? Now, because apparently my ethical standards are somewhat lower than Bobby's, I did not bring it up to the group. I just mm. spent it all on postage to send you guys Christmas uh -oh. cookies. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Right, well, that, but that was a benefit for the group. 
and I'm not baking anytime soon, so PayPal it is. Um, yeah, I, I, are other people receiving checks from Jack? Is anyone willing to admit to receiving a check from Jack? Um, I get a lot of checks from people, <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, I get a lot of mailbox money coming in. But you write a lot of checks. The felon is uh, strangely silent when yeah. asked. I'm still, you know, cashing checks in 2020. My 2019 ass couldn't write to, to begin with. So. Uh, well, I'll leave it at this. Jack, thank you. Thank you for your support of the show. Whether or not it was intended to be that way, that's where I'm choosing to spend it. Uh, and for anyone else listening who wants to support the show, you're welcome to do so. And you certainly do not need to mail any of us a check. No. Uh, though I do also like that I now have a clear scan of Jack's signature. So <laughs> oh, take that for what you will. Put that in the file. It's weird that I am his now. I'm now. I now have Jack's power of attorney. Um, <laughs> uh, Mike, you you had something you wanted to bring up that maybe wasn't quite big enough to be a, a, a weekly theme. We thought about using that for a weekly theme this week, and then some of us couldn't come up with any movies on this theme, and others of us were going to filibuster if we chose this theme because it was going to be our whole lives. So, why don't you tell us about your adventures? Well. Um... Traveling on airplanes, I get uh, quite emotional when I'm watching films or listening to music or whatever. And every time I get on an airplane, which I have this past week, I've been traveling and I convince myself that this is going to be the time when I can just watch anything I want. No big deal. Everything's going to be fine. And um, I I watch football every weekend and, and... usually in in the fall and in the winter and Emily and Cullen go off and they go to a movie usually on a Sunday or late Saturday afternoon. And one of the movies they went off to see this year was peanut butter Falcon. And I asked about, about it when they got back and they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, it was good. It was, you know, it was real, it was real emotional. It was real, it was real good movie. Well, well I got on the plane. I'm like, uh, how emotional could it be? I'm going to watch it. I mean, it's called Peanut Butter Falcon, for God's sake. Yeah, it sounds so stupid. It sounds really stupid. There's no way. So about 35 to 40 minutes in, it starts. And <laughs> I am I start crying. And then every second or third scene is crying. And then horrified. And then crying and crying. And so um, the flight attendant is coming you know, up and down the aisle collecting trash or whatever. Like, can I get some more cocktail napkins? <laughs> nobody told me about this movie right so i'm just crying and crying and and uh it's a you know these are long flights to to where i'm going and coming back from and so the movie's finally over and i you know i'm an old person so i have like pocket stuff full of half used tissues and i'm like i'm cleansing my palate i'm watching some i'm watching i'm catching up on brockmire so i I turn on brockmire and it's a you know really like you know acerbic and and just you know there's no way you should be crying during brockmire of course of course one of the main characters is dying of cancer and i start crying during fucking brockmire (laughs) so i i said well fuck it fuck it I'm, I give in. Uh, so I dial up this movie uh, called A Dog's Journey. Oh, my. Oh where they murderize this dog like 25 fucking times in a row. 
it, the dog is following some girl through her whole life and it seems like she's going to live to be 170 and this dog has to fucking die over and over half the time not even getting to meet her come on now not right should not be available on an airplane you really you turned right to the skin on that one didn't you oh god my stomach hurts I was dehydrated for days. I was supposed to get up to the office, and Jeremy's like, "Where are you?" I said, "I'm I'm halfway up. I I'm dehydrated. I have you know I'm cramping up. I can't get to the office." Well, that'll teach you. Yeah. So, stop it. I, I this is a lesson to myself. Stop it. Just go straight to comedy. Mm-hmm. Just do comedy. But the thing is, the comedy isn't funny when I'm on the plane, but tragedy is like 10 times more tragic. What is that? I don't know. A, a dog's journey. <laughs> these people need to die, These whoever put this movie together. Uh, I, I think it was on the flight down to Aruba when we were on vacation a few months, a couple months ago. The guy, maybe one row and one seat over from me, was watching A Dog's Journey. And I spent 90 minutes glancing up every couple of minutes going, the fuck is that? And then putting another, my head back Another down. dog being murderized. <laughs> well, with no sound, I, I was sort of getting this, like, enough of the narrative that, that you can tell. It's yeah. like, okay, this is like a life story vignette situation about this dog. And... 94% of Google users liked this movie. Well, of course. It's about a dog. Or I started rooting for the girl to die so the dogs could stop dying. Because she was just, by her existence, she was dealing death to all these dogs who kept trying to find her. It's got a 50, an even 50 from the critics on... Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, but at 92% from the audience. Of course, because it's manipulative schmaltz, and it worked <laughs> on Mike. It was brought to you by Caterade. <laughs> yeah. Need some electrolytes. <laughs> Pedialyte. Jesus Christ. If Brockmire's making me cry, then turn on a dog's journey and see what happens. <laughs> I get the Brockmire thing. I, I it was up It was, yeah, at the end there. Sure. The Church of Baseball and... But that's that's earlier this month. That that ties into baseball week. Somebody knows we're talking about a dog's journey. Yeah, there she is. <laughs> Please don't die, Abby. Mom will be home tomorrow. <laughs> I think it's time that we go on a medium talk. What do you think? Uh, let's do it. Well, I can't focus. I can't see through my tears. So. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Well, we can't because you have to go first because we, we, we very carefully <laughs> choreographed. <laughs> That's funny. This. So uh, we're bringing journalism movies for this week. We picked two each. When you start to think about it, there are a lot of journalism movies. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, I think there are some fair honorable mentions too, but I think we're going to work through these in a quick pattern that made sense to us. Uh, and Mike is going to start us in 1987. I saw this movie in the theater in 87 and I kept dragging person after person back to it because I thought it was genius. 
Um, produced and directed by James L. Brooks, Broadcast News, and it had um, William Hurt and Holly Hunter at the height of their fame, and uh, Jack Nicholson in a in a really great cameo uh, in the movie as the as the awful and smarmy uh, national news uh, guy. Um, but but my favorite part of the movie was uh, the comic writer and actor Albert Brooks. He's probably my favorite. And my, my most favorite comic writer and actor of all time, all the way back to his SNL bits, and um, this movie just hit me at at a time when I was I was going through that. I was trying to break into uh, broadcast journalism, and and I had spent I spent time in some of those newsrooms in Washington D.C. and saw these people, and and they just were they nailed all this stuff, and it was so so. Um, well written and and funny and clever and uh but i at the time i just didn't trust myself i thought well i just love it cuz i'm i'm in the middle of not getting a job in all this so um <laughs> but uh, the the albert brooks scene where he finally gets his shot at becoming the weekend anchor and he has to sit on his uh, sport coat to make sure that his lines work on his shoulders and he does a great job, uh, except for he sweats out like twenty five pounds of of, uh, <laughs> of perspiration during his. And it's not an audition; it is the for real thing. Yep. He does the weekend news, and it's a complete disaster. And he is he is I don't know I I just don't know how to to describe how much I love Albert Brooks, especially during during that era is just he he was someone to be envied in so many ways and then the way he just made fun of himself it was like uh you know, he it was it was just complete genius but um at the time like i said i thought it was real brilliant and i dragged everyone to it but i thought it was of a time and i didn't watch it for like 25 years or or even more and then i rewatched it recently and i was like no that's a really great movie Holds up. Yeah. But, um, I, I I was fooled at the time. I thought it was great, but, you know, it, I guess I wasn't fooled because it was great. And the journalism part of it, I, I was, you know, I I wasn't smart like Albert Brooks. I didn't give a shit about news. I wanted to do sports. But, you know, when I, I was trying to get a job, so you had to, like, pretend you were into news. And I really fucking wasn't. So there you go. I was John Hurt, but I wasn't that good looking. And I couldn't. I'm, I mean, I could act, and that was why I was into like, I was into watching movies, and I was into like writing about movies and reviewing movies, and we'll talk about that more later. But uh, I, I don't know. It was uh, it was formative for me. Well, it does such a good job making you want to root for Albert Brooks. Yeah, but without making you hate Hurt, John Hurt, you know, like he was right. Truly uh, helpful. <laughs> he was truly trying to help Albert Brooks out. He really was. Well, come on now. And that's uh, uh, just by the way, that's William Hurt, John Hurt, a very different. Oh, actor. sorry, John Hurt. Yeah, John Hurt, <laughs> great actor. But uh, yeah, they were both huge at the same time for different reasons. Right. Right. Well, I have to say, coming at it from a woman's perspective, um, it was interesting. I, um, but William Hurt was such a bozo 
I can't believe that Holly Hunter would ever have fallen for him. He's not that good looking, honestly. Mm. And he was yeah. such a dum dum. Funny how that theme's going to come back later. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, I yeah, the movie does a good job of setting you up to root for Albert Brooks, right? By the way, who is not a bad looking dude? Um, he's not like classically handsome, but he's perfectly attractive. So initially I was like, oh yeah, of course this guy all the way, he's your best friend. He's really smart. They work well together. They're each other's confidant. They should. And then he said two things that turned me off. And one was his reaction to the date rape piece, which he, I forget even what the line was. It was something like, he referred to his uh, nookie nookie blowing open the story on nookie or something nookie, like that. Yes, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean again of its time that I think did not um, hold up very well. But his sort of callous dismissal of the uh, issue of day rape as newsworthy was like, Err. and then later on at the end of the movie when they're fighting, and he's. Um, casting this hypothetical scenario where he runs into her with his kid and the kid like laughs at her and he says we shouldn't laugh at um single fat women in their 40s i was like okay that hits a little close to home pal that was not nice once he realized that he was losing any chance of ever getting with her he got so mean yeah, he was awful. Yeah. And then I didn't like that at all. I don't care if it was realistic. He was just an absolute shit to her. I thought that was pretty true to a character, though. Probably. I mean, probably. you get a guy who's that smart, and he just thinks he should win, and when he doesn't win, he just gets fucking And mean. still has such rampant insecurities. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying it was a... a like a poor character choice or a writing choice. It's just that I personally mm-hmm. disliked him so much. And then I got mad because um, it was a little bit sexist in about how Holly Hunter is so smart and so driven and so sensible and that she gets one look at John Hurt. John Hurt. See, I got me doing it. William Hurt and his like <laughs> bland Teutonic looks. And then she's all Twitter pated like, oh, I don't know what to do. I was, was like, charming, mm, mm, no, thank you. I, I broadcast news. I think I saw basically all of these movies for the first time, with the exception of one that came out later in college. And I wasn't even a broadcast guy, but I don't know. It's one of those movies that's funny without being slapsticky funny, maybe with the exception of the sweating scene. And that's what did it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah there's, I know. There's definitely a few things that didn't hold up. And, and I think sexism is a theme we're going to see carry through a lot of these movies. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, overall, just sharper than you'd expect it to be writing for a, an alleged comedy. Mm-hmm. I was confused. I was like, wait, is this a comedy or is this a drama? Because it didn't it seemed to be both and yet neither. Yeah, it was a it was a comedy that was making a lot of comments on news right and the way it was being presented at the time was because these were all issues everything it brought up were real issues in journalism at the time mm-hmm. yeah comedy what's next <laughs> week's theme <laughs> i always think comedy is the best way to destroy people anyway you know uh, yeah. um and 
Why mm-hmm. don't you move on to your movie from 2003 that makes my chest tighten oh, when yes. I watch it? This movie, also a comedy. Ha <laughs> 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 Not so much. Uh, the first movie that I picked from 2003 is Shattered Glass, which is the true story of Stephen Glass, who was a wonderkind reporter at the New Republic magazine, and they take great pains to talk about how influential the New Republic is, especially in the among the political set. And he was just an absolute rising star who came up with these unbelievable scoops and wrote these incredible stories, and he was really going places. And then it was discovered that he had uh, invented dozens of stories, either in part or out of whole cloth. So this movie is the story of um, the editor of the New Republic, uh, Chuck Lane, who came in and was not a popular editor. He was not the choice of the staff. And uh, him unraveling this, uh, these series of, of lies, it was the journalists at Wired who saw this story that uh, Stephen Glass had written about like a hackers convention and how the hackers, the teenage hackers were so incredible that big tech companies were uh, hiring them and giving them all kinds of incredible perks. And there, the Wired editor-in-chief was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Why didn't we get this story? And they started looking at it and they couldn't verify any of the sources or any of the statements. And they started asking questions of the New Republic. And then uh, Chuck Lane took it over and discovered that it, they weren't mistakes and they weren't errors. They were lies. And there's a great, I guess, series of scenes where he takes Stephen Glass with him. And he's like, okay, show me. Show me where this happened. Show me where you went. Show me what the restaurant was. And sort of, it just sort of comes tumbling down in a tower of lies. And um, Hayden Christensen, I I don't think that anybody thinks he's a great actor. Especially after the Star Wars movies. I don't think they did any uh, wonders for his career. But he is fantastic in this movie the way that he conveys this idea of of being trapped by his lies. And the more people push at them, the more he lies to try to get out of the lies. And just like a rat in a trap is sort of what he seems like to the point where Chuck Lane starts to feel unsafe. Like he doesn't even know what this guy is going to do. And it's just, just two great performances and... Uh, again, even though I've said this in my sports uh, movies, which were both true stories, and even though you knew exactly what's going to happen, it was still riveting for the whole time. I want to slip one correction in there. It wasn't Wired. It was John Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, it was, of it was, course. It was Forbes. It was, yeah. oh. it was in the heyday of Forbes. And, right, right, and the right, reason right, that right. that matters is because it actually it was a watershed for for Forbes and online right. reporters for digital so journalism. Right. And it's, I think my second favorite Steve Zahn role after that thing you do is his, <laughs> his role mm. as the Forbes reporter. Yeah. Oh, Steve Zahn. <laughs> uh, seriously, though, I, I saw this movie as a, a senior in high school as the editor of my high school newspaper. And uh, the, you know, this was like everything that, that teachers and 
professionals just preach at you not to do all at once. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like every last part of it. And it not, it's not the crime. It's the cover up, like just on and on trying to backpedal himself. And oh my God. Right. But I think, I mean, if, if we're honest, we've all had that moment, right? Where we did something we shouldn't have done, or we told a lie and we're just flat out caught in it. And Mm -hmm. that sense of panic where you're just trying to get out of it. It's an entire movie of this guy panicking over his, Mm -hmm. his lies getting exposed. It's pretty incredible. I have a, a tale about that. Um, when I was uh, when I was in graduate school, I had hold of a uh, poem that my friend John Hedegaard had written, and I loved it. This poem was amazing. And there was a literary magazine at the University of Florida, and I rewrote John's poem, you know, just changed it to the way I liked it, and I submitted it, and it got published, and I got paid. And I never said a word to anyone about it. Um, but after I got caught, uh, or after I turned myself in for my crimes and went to prison, not the, not, not the, the journalism crime, but, um, the financial crimes. Yeah. He found out while I was, while I was in prison that, uh, that I'd done that. And he was, you know, one of my best friends, if not my best friend. And, you know, just, Part of when I turned myself in was like, these things are going to happen. You know, I'm going to, this could come home to roost. And it did. And it it was awful. Just mm-hmm. awful. And uh, whenever I see something, you know, a movie like this, I identify with it like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, to my never-ending credit, I knew this poem was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> You knew it was worth stealing? <laughs> I knew it was worth stealing. I knew I knew if I got it in front of somebody, it would get published. And he would never do that. So I, I stole it and I, you know, made it sound like more like me and the way I liked it. And it got published, but it was his. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's it's just those feelings are are the worst mm-hmm. when you're just, you know, you're getting pantsed, you know, in that way. Like, oh, fuck. It truly was a Shawshank connection. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a Shawshank humiliation. Is what it, was. it was like crawling through uh, shit pipes to get into jail. <laughs> Mike, you did it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I kept waiting for the storm so I could break into these shit pipes and get into the prison. Um, one more recommendation for me, re-Shattered Glass. And actually, when we were mentioning this, when we were chatting with each other, our friend Phyllis said, and I totally agree with her, if you ever get the chance to watch it with the commentary, do so because it's the real-life Chuck Lane along with Billy Ray, the writer and director of the movie. And... It's really interesting because they go through and, you know, he talks about what it was really like um, figuring this out and what his strategy was and the lengths that he had to go to. And he kind of you know points out the parts that were 
Hollywoodified for the yeah he's like that that final scene where he comes into the office and he's been vindicated and the whole staff stands up and like gives him a slow clap and he's like yeah no that's <laughs> slow claps yeah those always happen in real life yeah did did not happen but it's really an interesting um listen and so watch the movie a couple of times regularly and then watch it with the commentary yeah i think i need a little breather after my marathon this week but i've never watched it with the commentary so i'm gonna revisit that Mm-hmm. Also, again, I got to take like a, a tranquilizer of some kind before I do, because <laughs> I just get all hivey as a as an editor, you know, I, oh, yeah. oh. and then you watch it and because because you've seen it once and so you know the story and you think, how, how did no one see this? Right, right. How did he get away with this for so long? Yeah. And Peter Sarsgaard gives a. A great performance as well. I mean, he usually plays more sinister characters, but this role is why I will always have a little bit of a crush on him. He's just so good that when they're having a confrontation and Hayden Christensen is like desperately at the very end trying to sell something. And Peter Sarsgaard says, I want you out of here right now. And he gets this little quiver in his lip that shows you just how scared he is and how close he is to losing it i'm like oh my god it's this man is so good so hmm. good movie so now we'll come in with the white knights not the dance movie (laughs) (laughs) we'll go to i i took the easy street on my journalism movies. I mean, at least the first one. I picked the the journalism movie. I went to 1976 to All the President's Men. Uh, it is the journalism movie, at least until recently, and that's something we'll get to. But for decades, this was the movie that set the tone. Every wannabe journalist, every young journalist uh, watched and worshipped at, at this movie. This is the uh, Alan Pakula-directed Story of Woodward and Bernstein. Dustin Hoffman is Carl Bernstein, always with the top bill, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and Robert Redford playing young <laughs> to play Bob Woodward. <laughs> oh, what, dear. what was it? He was 40, 40 playing 28. 40 playing 28. Uh, did not look 28. No, I looked don't know 40. Look 40. Well, I think you get the benefit of the facial hair. Of the era. Is there a twelve-year-old and- Glenn Close is playing his <laughs> girlfriend? No, but there is a uh, spectacular fit in Jason Robards playing Ben Bradley. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. What a, what a great! I think of all the casting in this, that really, I mean, obviously, and I think you know, it, it was told that you know the studio would only greenlight it if Redford played Wood Woodward, and of course, of course, uh, Dustin Hoffman playing. You know, with these giant ties that are larger than him, the knot just taking mm-hmm. over his entire neck. Constantly, constantly, <laughs> constantly smoking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's why you can say they looked older, because, you know, they're just leather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know if anyone, if you don't know the story of, of Woodbird and Bernstein and all the presidents men, this is them. Uh, investigating the break-in at Watergate starts out as a nothing story, which is why two nothing reporters are on it. And then it snowballs through their investigating and their sources, including Deep Throat. Always a nice reference. Um, (laughs) 
from the porno at the time. I mean, it was just, just specifically that. I saw this movie for the first time in high school journalism class. I was probably a junior. Um, and our teacher put this on. And we watched it with the closed captioning on, which is helpful the first time you see it. Because a lot of the movie is really quiet. Um, and, it, and it is, as Hillary mentioned to me, just the, the ultimate process story, right? It's just the step-by-step breakdown. It's it's getting confirmations and reconfirmations and reconfirmations and especially uh watching dustin hoffman skirt the ethics a little bit more and push the edges of his confirmations a little bit more and these guys just being relentless i I mean reporters don't really act like that anymore but just really keeping at people sounding the hell out of people i don't think you could do that in this day and age with technology being what it is but literally going into people's houses Mm -hmm. and also, it's so weird to watch them come up to someone's house, have them say they don't want to talk to them, and then offer them a cup of coffee. Right. I thought it was a great scene. I think when um, Bernstein finally got into the bookkeeper, who the lady who broke it for him, and, and she, they weren't going to let him in. And he was like, oh, can I just have a cigarette? And he like goes in to get their pack of cigarettes. Then he's like, well, can I just have a cup of coffee? Can I just sit down? Can I just... And it was like he just sort of step after step, he inserted himself in there yeah. until it was like she had no choice almost but to talk to him. Yeah, this is like a classic movie about how the guy pursues the lady and nowadays <laughs> that would be like completely inappropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the way these guys are going after their their uh, sources, but it works. And of course, it's a true story. There's a little bit in the movie that's not quite perfect, but it's based on their book. And uh, and it tells uh, of one of the greatest corruptions of presidential history. So it, it makes it particularly pertinent right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I really, f- watching this the other night, rewatching it, I, I saw it before as an adult, but it's been a long time. So when I rewatched it, I found myself pretty hardened when I compared it to what's going on today with the Trump administration, because it's really the same thing is going on now, except that the Trump people are dum-dums compared to the Watergate people. Mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. Watergate people weren't that smart to begin with. Mm-hmm. So... As I've sat here the last few years, kind of alternately raging and despairing over the corruption in our executive branch, uh, it really kind of made me feel better to watch an example of when the truth did come to light, when there were people who were so dogged and so relentless that they were going to discover the truth. And I certainly hope that that happens in the current time i mean i think it, it the ending may differ in that he may not be removed or voluntarily remove himself from office but i sure hope for a lot more jail sentences for a lot more people there's certainly no lack of of journal journalistic diligence going on it's mm-hmm. just you know uh the dummy factor has been turned up to 12 or 13 uh, right as far as the other actors involved I mean, the staggering incompetence of these people cannot be believed. But as I said, I was it really did make me feel better to see this movie and think, oh, yeah, maybe there is 
a way out of this and thinking that we're only in the middle of this story now and hopefully it will have as good an outcome as Watergate did. Well, it's always important to remember Watergate took such a long time Mm -hmm. and it just dragged on so long. Um, This movie does such a good job building that suspense, but also just driving home the, the grind, Uh, the papers, the mess everywhere. The piles of books and phone books and source materials and clips. And, you know, I saw these movies like this that do a really good job portraying that. And you think it can't really be like that. And then the first time I walked into a real newsroom, I said, oh, it really is like that. <laughs> it is. As, and even in 2004, 5, 6, 7, you know, I interned at the Buffalo News in 2007. And even then, oh, brutalist building with a bunch of pavement and a bunch of messy desks and a bunch of mostly white guys swearing. <laughs> like, that's really what the newsroom was like. Mm-hmm. when i got there and so it was surprisingly accurate to me it felt right um and of course that library of congress scene where they just slowly pull out from above mm-hmm. as as the two of them are side by side going through paper slips for requests from the white house to the <laughs> library and it, and you just see how small they are in this grand machine it's such good cinematography in that moment. And the music is sneaky. Good. Um, it's David Shire is the composer who did the music. He's Buffalo native and it's not over the top anywhere. It's mostly just these little mood incidental music things, but it just, um, it just, it, it's slow builds through the whole movie. Uh, and I just, I find it compelling every time I watch it. And I, I feel like it's a longer movie than it is. I was saying that last night, like I'm going to start watching it now and I won't be done before we start the show. This one I did finish. <laughs> it's, it's only like two hours and change. It's, it's not ridiculously long, but it feels mm-hmm. so long because it's so drawn out. Yep. And I was thinking it's really an odd structure for a movie because where, where's the climax? The climax is only midway through the whole Watergate scandal. It should be when Nixon resigns, right? That should be the triumphant moment, not when one newspaper story gets published towards the beginning of the process, you know? And like you're saying, the, the whole screenplay is such, such just a grind forward, just showing small movement after small movement after small movement. It shouldn't work, but it does. Yeah. Well, and it's that, that ending goes from, Spoiler alert, I guess. The, <laughs> the the Nixon inauguration for the second term on the TV while they're breaking it. Yep. And then everything from there on out is just headlines on teletype. And you just see the headlines come in. And I love the I love the last couple of headlines, which are like Nixon refuses to resign, followed by Nixon resigns. Mm-hmm. And like that's the part that reminds me of this current White House. Like denial, denial, denial. Oh, yeah, no, that was us, but we're allowed yeah. to. <laughs> like, just... Fuck. And I honestly, I feel a little bit deficient in my recent American history, because I don't know that much about Watergate other than the most broad of strokes. I listened to that um, Slow Burn podcast. The first season was about Watergate, and it helped, you know, familiarize me with the names. But, you know, Bobby and I, you weren't, you and I weren't there as Mike was for Watergate. So 
It's all a little bit. I was very closely at like age seven. I was <laughs> <laughs> my little fedora on. I like that you followed Watergate the way I followed the OJ chase. <laughs> yeah, super irritated that they put the Houston Rockets uh, finals game on the little screen. But it's a complicated story with a lot of a lot of white dudes doing a lot of bad things that I don't understand very well. So I do appreciate uh, this sort of <laughs> look into the the building of the story and the understanding of what happened. I think in in stories like this, there are a lot of payoffs. These these process stories, there are a lot of payoffs during the story, so you don't need as big a payoff at the end because you just see as it goes. You're like, oh yeah, this is the this is we're gonna bleed them from here, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is another. We got him at this joint right here. It's it's like setting someone up for a wrestling move or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it just you see it all happening. You're like, oh yeah. By the time you get the headline, you're like, yep, got him. Sorry. Good night. Yeah, it's like they're searching on a flat surface for a crack, and they're just looking and looking and looking and looking and looking, and then they find that crack, and they get the chisel in there, and they just start working mm-hmm. on it, and you're like, yep, now we got it. Here we go. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like those those power-washing videos on YouTube. <laughs> uh, as long as we're talking about generational process stories, and this is why you're going next. Indeed. Um Quite possibly, quite probably, an even worse topic than the corruption of (laughs) the executive branch of our government is the corruption uh, of the Roman Catholic Church in uh, Spotlight from 2016. Uh, This is the story of the um, newspaper team at the Boston Globe. It's like a long-form journalism unit called the spotlight unit where they would work for months to years on one specific story or topic before they broke it and this is a story of them breaking the um priest abuse scandal in the catholic church and it's kind of interesting for me to watch it as an outsider because as a minnesotan we in the midwest it's just we don't have that large a catholic population you know (laughs) this was about Lutherans, that would be another thing, although I can't imagine it ever being about Lutherans. But um, They're too reserved to molest anyone. Exactly. It's it's hard for me to understand the the church structure where the priests had such power, Mm -hmm. where they were revered so much. I mean, that's one of the reasons that Lutherans split from the Catholic Church, is they were like, yeah, we don't need a middleman to talk to God for us. We can do that ourselves. So it, it is really difficult for me to understand the, the level of power that these priests had for so many years and how difficult a nut this was to crack for the spotlight team. And it does follow that same process pattern uh, as all the president's men did, where it's just slow piece by piece and they, you know, get a tiny sliver of something and start, peeling away and start start the power washing right bobby until they yeah. finally have all the crap exposed to the light i think this is a really important movie i think obviously we have to grapple with these awful horrible things i mean i don't have anything against 
uh, Catholicism in general or religion in general. I just, you know, I think wherever people create structures that will be people who seek to increase their own power and influence by it. So uh, it's really a universal tale. And I went to see this in the theater and at the very end of the movie, before they run the credits, they put up a screen that says, you know, like due to the spotlight team's ongoing investigation, uh, investigations were opened into these other dioceses, dioceses, diocese. Yeah. In, In the United States. And they flash up. It has to be like 50 cities. And then they put up a second screen and then they put up a third screen of cities. And then they started putting up cities around the world. And at that point I started sobbing because I was so upset. It really affected me. So it's not a fun movie, but it's a really important movie and everybody in it is great. I mean, Michael Keaton as the editor of the spotlight team is really great and he's part of the very catholic community so he's really caught between loyalties there and mark ruffalo's great and rachel mcadams is great and i think um who's the other one brian darcy what's his last name i forget he's mostly a broadway actor oh come on imdb don't fail me now uh james thank you brian, brian darcy brian darcy james. james yep they're all really great and we and now we have an, another connection to all the president's men because uh john slattery plays ben bradley jr yep so yep. we keep that going I was waiting um, to weave that in yep leah schreiber is really good as the editor-in-chief of the boston globe oh you mean that too <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, i mean that that's trusts. In, in, yeah in, a, an interesting side here with the racism and sexism that keeps coming back up is that is one slant at this movie is you know he's the new editor of the paper and catholic boston's like oh they put a washington to florida to boston jew in charge mm-hmm. yeah of course he's going to come after us right uh don't forget stanley tucci always fantastic Ah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. One of the things that I found most interesting about the movie, I hadn't seen it until fairly recently, was uh, I, I don't know if they ever brought the character onto onto screen, but the the guy they kept consulting with on the phone and the math that he was doing, mm-hmm. and and uh, as someone who's into that kind of of math and probability, and you know, it's like yeah, as someone who understands this stuff and knows knows about like gambling and probability i mean this is just it's a fact there are going to be so many of these guys who aren't allowed to have sexual relationships that are going to pursue them mm-hmm. with whatever they can get those weird sexual relationships with. and it's just it's a fucking fact you have to let these people have sexual lives you have to let them Yep. Otherwise, this shit's going to happen. It's well, inevitable. And you, and you also have to remember that they're, they're a population. And so this is just like how yeah. X number of cops are going to be criminals because yeah. X number of people are criminals. Right. And, and, and priests are, are – your priest may be fantastic. I mean, I've met priests that are fantastic, but just the numbers. Yep. Look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. And 
if you're not protecting people against this, then, you know, a lot of people are going to get hurt. And it, it, that was the most fascinating thing to me is, is like, it's, it's easy to see if you step back. Right. That scene where they finally sort of start to put the numbers together and they extrapolate it out and they're like, we're talking about 80, 80,000 priests or whatever the number was. It was something like that, wasn't it? 80,000. They're like, that can't be right. And then they learn. Yeah. Uh, There's title cards at the end with all the cities. Mm -hmm. Rewatching it last night and realizing how out of date those lists are because Buffalo is in the middle of its scandal. Mm -hmm. It's priest was, or its bishop rather just resigned under fire uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, And they're not on that list because the list is a year or two old, (laughs) you know, Uh, it's only growing and it's a real reckoning for, for that population because it's been unchecked for so long. Right. Whew. Important story. Yeah. And, and I, I think you can take a little bit of joy out of it because you're rooting for them. Oh, yeah. Especially the weird affectation of Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> <laughs> like when he hits something, you're just so happy for like you're really in it with them. Mm hmm. It's very good at humanizing the reporters in there. Like when Rachel McAdams has to, you know, doesn't know what to tell her super Catholic grandmother about all of this and she's like it's gonna break her heart to find out about yeah. all of this and she's like nana and when john slattery brings mark ruffalo his leftovers from santarbios and Eastie, oh my god Sorry. i could not believe it bobby <laughs> <laughs> it's almost worth going over there i've actually i've never been to santarbios but there's a good bakery down the street i've been to anyway can we lighten this up a little bit now Let's do it. Let's do it. Let, let's go to uh, my second movie. Um, just like broadcast news, you know, not that serious, but journalism movie. Yes. Barely. Almost famous. I was going to uh, ask you about it. <laughs> I wanted to know, I mean, is what he's doing journalism? I think it was by the end, but not uh, in the beginning. It was a uh, 2000 film written and directed by Cameron Crowe, who I've been down with since all the way back to Say Anything, probably the only real Seattle movie ever made. Um, he he worked as a uh, teenage journalist, uh, as a stringer for Rolling Stone, and he toured with uh, bands like Allman Brothers, um, The Eagles, Led Zeppelin, I think Leonard Skinnerd. Um, he just talked his way into it through, a uh, um, a journalist, uh, who worked for Rolling Stone, um, Lester Bangs, which, uh, in this movie is played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, who every time he has one of these roles, he, you just can't take your eyes off him. Like from, uh, mm-hmm. from Punch Drunk Love when he played the mattress man and the, he played Scotty J in Boogie Nights. Yes. They're like, yes, there are at least five to seven Philip Seymour Hoffman roles where he's on the screen for maybe 10, 15 minutes. And every time you're like, this is why I'm watching this movie. This guy's fucking fantastic. So he's talking, um, this, this kid, uh, I always forget the actor's name, but, um, Patrick I think it was Fugit. young Robert Redford. Uh, <laughs> 
I think it was a 74-year-old Robert Redford. <laughs> Playing 15. Yeah. Playing 15-year-old. You couldn't Cameron even Crow. tell. <laughs> no, a little soft lighting. Uh, Francis McDormand uh, play, plays his mom. Um, I was not into music at the time. I mean, I I liked music, I guess, and I listened to music, but I was more into movies. And so my journalism career at the time was, you know, doing uh, weekly movie reviews, mostly sports movies for the weekly Yodeler at Old Junior High. Of course, in, in, the Yodeler. In Bellevue. The Yodeler. The Odel Yodeler. <laughs> the Odel Yodeler. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, this would have been my dream to just like go on the road, go to like movie sets and, and you know, get down with some of the young ladies there, which which the uh, young man in Almost Famous does lose his virginity there. And then that that was uh, semi-autobiographical from Cameron Crowe. I mean, this is, this is a movie about his, his youth on the road with these bands uh, or whatever. Ba- ba- basically a dream sequence for me back then. And that <laughs> I'm about the same age as William Miller is in that movie. It, like, time-adjusted for when the movie came out. So... Mm-hmm. He's 15, but acting a little older in 2000 when the movie comes out. And I'm yep. 14 or 15 acting older. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Some dream scenarios going a- on a- there. Absolutely put me in a hotel room with a bunch of not groupies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, just a lot of warm feelings. And the the band is good, but not great. You know, in seemingly in real life and in the movie, mm-hmm. um, a lot of it rang true, and it and it uh, it 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 really hit home. I, I my mom was not Frances McDormand. In fact, she probably would have, you know, helped me pack up and <laughs> and uh, go pursue my dream. Uh, but uh, but but she was excellent in it as well. And and uh, like in a lot of movies where you need the wet blanket girlfriend or boyfriend. Um, having the wet blanket mom was mm-hmm. was useful in this movie because you couldn't just let the kid just go for it you know he had to have some 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 grounding so my very favorite scene in the whole movie was the scene of her when she got russell billy crude up on the phone and just took him apart yeah <laughs> yeah yes ma'am <laughs> Because you know the band. I mean, they're 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 not all assholes. They care, you know. They're out there on on the road or whatever. But they they like the kid and they care. And you know, if mom gets hold of you, you better fucking listen. Mm-hmm. So I watched this movie for the first time last night, and then today on the treadmill, and then today when I got home from the gym. In fact, I was telling you guys when we logged on that I finished watching it 10 minutes before recording Mm -hmm. time. I was so glad that I did because what I watched last night, the first 45 minutes, I was like, I hate this movie so much. I think this is an awful movie about awful people. And then as I watched the rest of it, it started to explore a lot more of the things that I was thinking about so I ended up having a much warmer feeling towards it at the end of it but this is all so foreign to me because I have never been interested in that life I've never had you know 
dreams of bands and being with bands and all of that stuff. It just struck me as a really sad movie in a lot of ways about mm-hmm. people who were trying to convince themselves that they mattered. And all those young women were even trying to convince themselves that they mattered by getting with a man who mattered instead of doing something for themselves. You know, mm-hmm. it was, it was really sad. And the guys in the band, yeah, they're nice guys, but they're also all pretentious idiots. They're guys, they're guys in their twenties in band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Billy Crudup as the uh, lead guitarist, he's smarter than the rest of them, but still so pretentious. And the rest yeah. of them are just, I mean, just dodos. I came to the conclusion that I don't think I've ever liked Jason Lee in anything. And I don't know if it's because I just don't like him or because he's so good at playing an asshole. I think in this movie uh, that it's B. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It, he, he is playing exactly who he should be playing in this movie. I just saw them all as pretty pathetic. All searching for something and looking for yeah. shortcuts to find it but i felt that by the end of the movie they i think some of them were really starting to to grow a little bit well you know right. kate hudson got to go to morocco and he started doing things that revolved around herself rather than trying to be in the orbit of some lame dudes it was a it was a it was a really good long um, series of snapshots at a moment in their lives as you know they're about to move on to other things mm-hmm. but a really important you know uh, yeah. tour moment whatever for all of them since i've been sharpshooting all day uh there's the moment where and it's john heard john uh, heard yeah. was the stepfather yeah, yeah. no it's, it's that Hurd. it's that quote it's john Guy from big the, the mother on the phone at one point says, be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid. And then she says that Gerta said that. Yes. It's not. It's <gasps> not Gerta, actually. What? Yeah. It's Basil King. Oh, that's mm-hmm. embarrassing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how I, why they haven't fixed that. <laughs> they really should go back and ADR it because it's really, it's, it's embarrassing. Sure. Hmm. it's it's yeah so I, but it's a good quote and that's what made me stop and think about it was first the people the mighty forces will come to your i just i hadn't remembered that from whenever the first time i saw it and i wrote it down and i was like that's actually really good uh somebody's probably already put it on a t-shirt and a poster and some wall art or whatever and i was like but that that's Gerta. no not Gerta. it's the english major in me coming out it's basil king but be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid what a great line to quote on that call and that's right before she says it's not too late for you to become a person of substance <laughs> oh mm-hmm. this devastating yeah that same moment is probably my favorite moment in the movie so journalism movie uh <laughs> if fear and loathing can be a journalism movie then why not okay thank you and, thank and you. i think and there's a hunter thompson reference in there about how they don't need another one because they've already got one at rolling stone yeah, and when you're 15 years old, your writing skills are already like not quite, you know, up to par. Let's not start introducing drugs. <laughs> right. <laughs> let's let, let let's at least get some articles published and then we can start messing around. I think it's a movie about him learning what journalism is and he gets mm-hmm. some harsh harsh lessons yeah. along the way. Sure. Yeah, he makes totally. his, he makes his mistakes. Definitely. 
Like if I had been on the set of the fish that saved Pittsburgh, um, <laughs> Dr. J just being there would have intimidated me to the point where I wouldn't have been able to, you know, successfully, you know, do a puff piece about the film. Yeah. Like kids got moxie. And I don't mean the drink. He set me up with some, some girl and I would have been like, all right, well, he's awesome. All right. Well, uh, my first movie was about journalism in the 70s. And my last movie is about journalism in the 70s. Yes. Mm-hmm. Of equal movie, quality. Of, of Yeah. Oh, definitely. Of a movie. Uh, I actually was amazed at how long ago this came out. <laughs> I went and looked. I mean, I really hadn't thought about it, but it is really an earlier Adam McKay product. Apatow. Oh, bless films. his heart. <laughs> uh, and that is Anchorman. The Legend of Ron Burgundy, right? That's what the a movie. title. <laughs> I mean, what a terror. And this is the point seven five, by the way. I just couldn't finish it before we started. But uh, not that it matters. I think I've seen Anchorman more times than I've seen all of these other movies combined. Oh, because Anchorman is yeah. just one of those movies where it comes on. And yep. I, know I've said it, in. I know I've said it before, and I've probably said it on the show before. I hated Anchorman the first time I saw it. I think I might have too. 2005, four or five, somewhere in there, right? You know, I don't think I saw it in theaters, but like when it was on DVD or something uh, early in college, I just, I was like, I don't get it. Why, why is she into him? It just didn't, it didn't seem credible to me from the very start. <laughs> and that's of course, because I hadn't realized yet that to enjoy this movie, you have to just turn off credibility, period. <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah, it. yeah. It's, it's a farce. <laughs> It's its own world. Just yeah. let it go. You're in that world. It's your alternate reality. Well, I have seen exactly 20 minutes of this movie <laughs> because of just that reason. I tried to watch it. And 20 minutes in, I thought, what the fuck am I doing? Or was this yesterday? This is tw- no, this was years ago. <laughs> I thought, why am I wasting my time? On this, it's so stupid and I hate it. And I really don't care for this character of Will Ferrell's, the not Ron Burgundy specifically, but the blowhard man child, which yeah. is the character he plays in 99% of his movies. I think it's really funny for a four minute SNL sketch. But blowhard I think. Blowhard man child would be a great fake Get name off for a the hotel. Shed! <laughs> <laughs> But I just can't tolerate it for a feature-length film. And we were sitting around at work talking about this one day, and I said that I just really didn't like Will Ferrell movies at all. And my coworker, Scott, said, what? They're so great. I'm going to fix this. And he came up with a program called Scott Flicks, in which he would bring a new Will Ferrell movie into work and make me watch it. And he had a very specific order. And I did okay with old school because I was like, yeah, it's not really a Will Ferrell movie, right? He's supporting character. And then mm-hmm. Stranger in F- within Fiction, which I loved. But again, oh, yeah. I would argue yeah. not really a Will Ferrell no. quote unquote movie. And then he brought in Talladega Nights and I'm like, I'm finished with this program. No more. Mm. Well, I'm glad that you brought up Talladega Nights because I feel like this came up recently too. And I can't remember if it was on the show or not because I can't remember. Yes, it was on the sports movie show. Right, right, about how uh, Teledega Nights is, in a lot of ways, a social commentary about W and about commercialized America, and it's sort of like when you go to a minor league baseball game and every half inning is the fucking 
local mm-hmm. car dealership soft toss and and you know corporate takeover and all that and i thought to myself revisiting it and i thought a lot about what movie to put in the second slot i had a lot of different options i thought about dragging everyone back to his girl friday which is my honorable mention for this list 1940 classic screwball comedy like the ultimate the first journalism movie really except maybe citizen kane and then i thought you know adam mckay had a real point in talladega nights that he was riffing on and i wonder if he had the same thing with with anchorman i wonder if you dig down into it and there's like an actual story here and the answer is not really (laughs) (laughs) but the uh this is uh and i looked into this a little bit there's a business insider article so for what that's worth but the uh the idea for anchorman came from will ferrell after watching a lifetime series documentary about an anchor woman from the 70s talking about how much shit she put up with when she broke into the business Mm -hmm. and they cut to interviews with this co-anchor that she worked with named mort crim and he was such an and he was such a douchebag (laughs) that he thought i could play that as a character and that's what inspired the ron burgundy character so they they took a great idea of like creating this super sexist environment and then having her kick its ass except they watered it down to make it funny and it didn't really land that way this this is why I think the movie actually works and why I keep rewatching it is Christina Applegate is every bit as funny as Will Ferrell and just brings it through the whole movie and brings the 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 feminist part of it and she has support you know in the movie I mean it's yeah when she's throwing a typewriter at his head I'm behind that I'm good. <laughs> The other movie that the I IBM about... Selectric, I just you think about <laughs> the amount of damage that that could do. That if had it some heft. Did land. Yeah, and they actually do a really good job of setting the era when she rips the rabbit ear off the back of the TV and whips him with it. Yeah, that it's lovely. <laughs> um, the other movie I thought about bringing was China Syndrome, which is another journalism in mm-hmm. the '70s feminism movie, which you should go watch, and it's about. A, a female reporter and, and a lot of nuclear fallout drama. It's, it's of its time. Actually, it's the eighties. Jane Fonda, right? Yeah. Yeah. Another one that I watched in high school in journalism class. Hanoi really Jane. Journalism teacher. <laughs> Old Hanoi Jane. <laughs> Anti-nuclear power. I mean, there's, there's nothing we have to say about Anchorman except that it, it is probably one of the enduring journalism comedies of the last 50 years, right? I mean, there just, there aren't that many and it, it does a, a it does a job. <laughs> it does Paul a good Rudd's job in of being it, funny. So come on, come on lady. Yeah. Well, so do you guys advise me then to give it a second attempt? Yes. I, I never want to be that person, but, but I think, I think if you, Watch the whole thing and, and watch Christina Applegate's arc through the story. You would yeah. love it. Okay. And you will cringe. I cringed rewatching oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very There cringy. are parts of it real. Oh, oh. But. Uh, and everyone does their part. I mean, Fred Willard plays himself, basically. Right. Like, and just, but, you know, you just go go through it for the punchlines and, yeah, the little bit of character development. It's not the a News lot. team brawls. Yeah. It it's vignette. It's very bite sized moments. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, if we're going to talk about a journalism comedy, I guess it's this or Bruce Almighty, right? Ooh. Buffalo movie. Sound, yeah, Buffalo movie. Let's do Buffalo movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see. Hmm. Uh, the Last Seduction, uh, Bruce Almighty. What else? Uh, it's, it's, that's the short list. Yeah. Buffalo 66, but nobody's seen it, so that's fine. Oh, uh, before I forget, Almost Famous, um, just backing up, Jimmy Fallon's the worst link in that movie. Oh, yes. I meant to say that. Every time he came on screen, I was like, ugh, no. Yep. He's the worst actor, and he's just, you know, part of it's not his fault since his career has taken a very different trajectory since then, but... It's just like ah, Jimmy Fallon. Every time he shows up, mm-hmm. it take it take took me out of the movie every single time. Mm-hmm. Just yep. awful, and like all the terrible fake facial hair he's got on. Mm-hmm. And Especially just... since everybody else's facial hair was really good. Yep, the seventies yeah. when yeah, the if, hair was really if you're doing on point. the seventies. If you can't pull off the facial hair, then get the fuck out of the movie. Yep. There's no way I could have ever pulled it off. So, I, you know, I'll see myself out the door. Well, and even Philip Seymour Hoffman, just his facial hair. Um, but that, but that's a good thing about Anchorman, too. Like, the style is on point. Like, yeah. it's a really sharp look for that era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all those, all the different anchors from the different demographics yeah. all across town, the PBS and the... Uh, Spanish language and it just it just brought it back all these memories of like watching bullshit TV news in the 70s mm-hmm. um, okay Bobby from WBLK.com seven movies you may not know are set in or reference Buffalo Western New York part one uh, Superman 2 <laughs> well I suppose there's that whole scene at Niagara Falls uh, um, I think the Niagara Falls thing is you got to have more than Niagara Falls. All right. right well, Buffalo, give me that. Murder, She Wrote. That's not a movie. That's a TV <laughs> show, guys. Uh, the Long Kiss Goodnight. I guess that's another Niagara Falls one. Bruce Almighty. Best Friends. 1982 from Goldie Hawn and Burt Reynolds. Uh, I've never. Mm. Uh, Henry's Crime. About a toll collector who works on a Buffalo highway who ends up robbing a Buffalo bank. Keanu Reeves plays the main character. There we go. I only know about it because I remember when they were shooting it and it came oh, out. Oh, so it is real. That's a real Buffalo mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Queen City starring Vivica A. Fox. The movie's about two cops whose lives cross. Is Buffalo called the Queen City? Yes, it is. Why? Yeah. Uh, you can go because it's the second largest city in new york state or you can go because it's the second largest city on the lake like around lake Erie, so it's not unclear right. just yeah it's it's sort of generically that second best yeah <laughs> according to wblk here are some other articles i might enjoy buffalo alive <laughs> is all new find out which cheer teams and programs are the best in western new york when that guy on Instagram goes from follower to stalker, funny skit video. Oh. And are you a hardworking woman in Western New York? Win lashes and a brow tint from Fricassi Lashes. Ooh. Really Sounds speaking like to me now. Wendy Croy from The Last Seduction would be interested in. Now, so The Last Seduction is not on this list? I can't believe this. This is, this is my favorite John Dahl movie. I can't believe this is not on the list. 
I mean, this yeah. is only part one of the list. I don't see where to go to part oh. two. So, okay. Well, I'm also, disappointed. Since we've spelled it out a couple of times, I want to make it clear in case you weren't sure which station in Buffalo is the quote unquote urban station, it is WBLK. Ah, I very see. blunt oh. about it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> and it's a fine station, actually. I I have I I have a black radio station. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys have any honorable mentions you want to put out? I already did mine. It was His Girl Friday and uh what was the other one? I was gonna I, I bounced around a few. No, oh, my brain is full of movies about Buffalo now. Yeah. All I'm thinking about is Soul Glow. <laughs> all right, so the question of the week will open it up to you, our our favorite listeners, that is all of you. What are your favorite on our media? Uh, movies and we thought about somebody said are you doing tv too because then we'd really be screwed because then we'd have to talk about news radio and west wing night and well west wing's not so much media but the other all the other projects jay moore's arc is the host of a political crossfire type show on west wing for a few episodes i dismissed dirty dancing as a dance movie so that's that's the come on i have I just because it's in the title doesn't mean it's a dance movie. Yes, it you know does. I mean? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> well, I would have thought all the dancing would have made it a dance movie. Like but. if there were no, it's, there's not that much dancing. In dirty dancing, mostly practicing. It's mostly practicing. I think of dance movies as movies where it's a competition where it's like, you know, it's not like the show at the end of the thing. It's like oh, we have to kick your ass by our our dancing. You know. If you're not if you're if you're not winning back the ski lodge, it doesn't count. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> what pops into my mind is an example from uh, another podcast that we used to comment on quite frequently here, where somebody was perhaps insisting that Antarctica can't be a desert because it's cold. The gist? Mike wouldn't say that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you are using a very specific, your own specific definition of dance yeah. movies that doesn't na- necessarily. Go along with the, I guess the rest I just of us didn't are saying. want you guys talking about it without me. So. Oh, true. Well, you are the authority yeah. on Dirty Dancing. I know a lot about Dirty Dancing. <laughs> All right, next week. I had the movies, time of my life. Movies about carrying watermelons. We'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm. There's got to be a lot of super racist stuff about movies with carrying watermelons. <laughs> it's, it's just a bunch of black exploitation films and then Dirty Dancing. <laughs> Oh, God, this is devolving. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we'll do a little housekeeping. Buy things from us at uh, thisshowhaseverything.com. Click on the shop button. And also, uh, just a, a reminder, that in addition to uh, following us on the Facebook page and uh, playing along with us at home, uh, you can rate and review us in the podcatcher, whatever of your choice, ideally Apple Podcasts. And also, you know, just go ahead and do what I do. Put us in your Apple Podcasts feed if you have an iPhone I don't use Apple Podcasts, but it does double my download numbers for the show. So, oh, sneaky. You know. Go ahead and do that and then review us. We haven't um, talked about the reviews in a little while, but after we get out of our Salute to Cinema next month, I think I want to take some time on one of the episodes to look at all the new reviews. So remember, okay. if you like us, write a nice review and don't swear. If you hate us, write a mean review, but curse in it so that Apple uh, won't run it. Oh, right. Because right. they filter I, all those out automatically. So I can't remember the last time I knew my password enough to get into anything <laughs> Apple and look at anything. But um, God bless whatever's happening over there. 
if all of those um, trips I took to middle America to help people set up those um, Bluetooth enabled medical devices to their phones uh, taught me anything, it's that when you don't remember your Apple podcast, your Apple password, it's probably something with 69 or boobs in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I learned quite likely. I learned a lot of factory workers passwords that summer and uh, a lot of them, a lot of them are, are ready to be fodder for a Will Ferrell movie. Mine, mine usually involves something like "fuck Yahoo all to hell," uh, <laughs> something, something. Higher case, lower case, you know. I make a lot of passwords for Sam, and they revolve around how sexy I am usually. <laughs> so oh, that there she, you go. <laughs> she has to compliment me every time she logs into something. Nice, yeah. nice positive reinforcement. Let's exactly. so. To get involved with the show, uh, go to thisshowhaseverything.com. Um, throwyourphone.com is still open. You can uh, throw your phone there. Some of us are still listening to TBTL, so if you have anything to get off your chest about that, go ahead there. Uh, we have a Facebook group, um, TSHE, uh, all caps. Uh, show Twitter is at TSHE Show. And you can email us at tshe at 10710.com. Uh, you can send us a voice memo or you can fax us at 617-354-8513. The, uh, the digital carbon paper is waiting for you. <laughs> I I sent one you last did. week. Yeah. yeah. I did. I didn't yeah. understand it. It was, it was my crack. I was afraid of that. <laughs> And I'm not paying for it. I like that you sent it under the name of Jeremy Holmes, though. <laughs> he set up the account. So I, I sent Bobby a picture of my crack and asked him to pay me for it. So yeah. uh, thanks for joining us this week. This show has had everything, I hope. Um, you all agree. And um, I don't know if either one of you needs to get us out of here, but it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for yeah. uh, joining me tonight. The guy who murdered his rival Getting the electric chair Read about a country's fight for survival Read about the county fair See them advertise the latest rage Your kitties have their comic page And here's the latest movie in town There's no one this paper wouldn't please Cause every column guarantees A smile, a tear, a laugh, or a frown from every walk of our society, variety from comedy to tragedy. Just turn the page and see. Extra, extra, read all about it. Get your paper here. What do you read there? Here's the story of the boy and the girl in the world of the love affair. And the girl meets a millionaire. Now they tell how the poor boy died Another suicide Get your paper Get your paper I'm here to
about it, read all about it, get your paper. Read about a world of hatred and malice, must there be another war? Read about a king who lives in a palace, read about the guy next door. So lady, mister, buy a paper, please. By 12 o'clock I must be rid of these. Cause my pa can't work and ma ain't so well And my pay depends on how much I sell Get your paper Get your paper I'm here to shout it Read all about it Get your paper I don't have a great sign off. That was always a flaw of mine as a radio host. Like, I don't have like a good. Uh, that's the way what's the, the Bruce crumbles. Almighty one? Uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Do you uh-huh. want to give us one of those? I, uh, eh, let's just let the tape peter out. Okay. <laughs> and that's the way the cookie crumbles. This is easier when you're a print journalist like me. You just write three pound signs for thirty. That's how you know mm. it's done. Good night and good luck. That's another movie we could have done. See? Damn it. I did a whole middle school project based on the um, Edward R. Murrow newsreels. Oh, I was I was terribly afraid you were going to say you did a middle school project on that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about Frost Nixon, too, which was surprisingly good.